Disclosure Live, I'm Robin Farzad. Coming up, our special live show with the University of Richmond's Robin School of Business. How can we leverage the network effects and hive mind of a live audience to help a guest with a life problem? I'll interview a young father whose family and professional lives have, in less than 12 months, been devastated by this pandemic. Hear his story, see his resume, help him figure out the best paths ahead. Stay with us. Full disclosure is made possible by the University of Richmond's Robbins School of Business, offering undergraduate, graduate, and executive education programs. The Robbins School prepares students to be global business leaders, providing a dynamic learning community where real-world teaching practices, scholarship, and service are at the forefront of the curriculum. More at robbins.richmond.edu. And by Solomon and Ludwin, a boutique wealth management firm dedicated to helping families make smart financial decisions. You worked hard and sacrificed to create and build wealth. They treat advice given to you with the respect your journey deserves. For over 30 years, Solomon and Ludwin has earned a reputation of trust and confidence. Recognized by Barron's as a Hall of Fame advisor. Learn more at SalomonLudwin.com. Full Disclosure Podcasts on NPR One, Spotify, and on Apple Podcasts at linkfulldradio.com. Please subscribe. Follow on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at FullDRadio. Joining me, and for those keeping score at home, on mute for at least the first part of this show, nearly 130 professional students and mentors eager to hear his story and help him forge the path ahead. But joining me is Greg Franklin, 36-year-old, father of two young kids, job seeker. And uh, I I have to give you props, Greg. You agreed to do this, to open up your job search and your family crisis and your professional search to the hive mind of the community. Welcome to Full Disclosure. You really sold it to me. You made it sound exciting and fun, and here I am. I'm excited. Well, I have to tell you, Greg, when I think about this, we were sitting on a bench watching a basketball game about a year ago at the local kids' basketball league, and I was remarking on how big your children were. And the next thing I recall is this email that went out, and, and your wife was having seizures, and she was in a coma. All that happened within less than a year. Take me back to where you were a year ago and what transpired. Well, a year ago, um, we started out the year of 2020 doing great. Uh, Everything was going well at work for my wife and I. The kids were blossoming in school and and everything was good. Till uh, one day in March, my wife got sick. Um, She was uh, laid up in bed for a week with a febrile illness and took a week off work for sickness for the first time in her career. And that Saturday, um, we were having some family time in the morning. Uh, painting together, actually, and then decided to go for a picnic. She told me she couldn't point to any symptoms, but she felt worse than she had in her entire life. And 20 minutes later, as we're packing up the car, she collapsed, having a grand mal or a um, generalized seizure, convulsions, and all of that. Um, Really quite scary. She never had an issue with this before, and we were scared. And I saw everything, the kids saw everything, and they're still dealing with that trauma. I suppose I am too. Um, following that, she had another seizure uh, getting into the ambulance a couple minutes later, and then another one in the ER two hours later. And this is all grand mal convulsive seizures. They tried to stop it with medicine, and that was not working. 
She was in the ICU, neurologic ICU, for a week and a half at Bon Secours Hospital. And after five days, I had to leave her there, basically unconscious. Our last conversation before I left, she didn't know who I was. And uh, I left her a letter and said goodbye. And then I talked to doctors daily the rest of the time she was there. This whole time, we had a sneaking suspicion that she had COVID based on the fact she, she did a very public event right before she got ill. However, they weren't giving tests to anybody at that time, really. And um, it was just difficult at that time to get a test for COVID. Now, you're, you're 36 and your children are seven and five. Correct. And yeah. You moved to the Richmond area back in 2016. Yeah. Everything happened in rapid succession. I understand that your family got ill. Yes. My, my daughter was sick. I was sick. And you decided to gather your wares from the office and to work at home. How did all of this uh, unwind? I mean, because the Henrico school system also decided to go remote. I mean, you talk about life happening. Yeah. So right before everyone decided to go to work from home and school at home, I took my kids out of school at the JCC. Uh, I went to work Thursday morning and I grabbed my stuff and said, I'm, I'm going to work from home until we know more. And uh, I'm scared about this. And my wife is sick and she might have something. And I, I don't know. So we went home and we were prepared to ride out the storm there. And our storm just got worse that weekend. Uh, and we were dealing with COVID, kids at home, my wife in the hospital, and I'm trying to manage that. Uh, my in-laws luckily live nearby and were able to help out. They live up in the D.C. area, so it's not right next to home for them, but they were able to stay for a while to help with the kids while my wife was in the hospital. You know, I was mentioning the COVID test. We This isn't 100% relevant, I guess, since she was found not to have COVID, but that very well could be because of the uh, medications that she was on due to the seizures, which have a known impact on the efficacy of the tests. So I had to reach out to the governor's office and the epidemiology office for Virginia. I was in touch with a number of individuals um, hmm. in the state senate sure. and just trying to get all the, all the people I could to get the test. And we finally got it, but it was two weeks later. And it took another two weeks for it to come back to us. By that time, she transferred to VCU Hospital, where she remained for another three and a half weeks in a coma, uh, multiple different comas, because each time they took her out, there was no improvement in her condition or, in fact, a worsening of her condition. Eventually, she received a treatment, an autoimmune treatment that brought her out of the coma with functional brain activity. It took a number of days, and I actually had to say goodbye to my wife again when doctors told me she wasn't going to make it. But that night, after we talked to her, and I said goodbye for the final time, what I thought, she started to tear up, and the doctors were amazed. And we went to bed praying, talking to myself, and talking to Jody, talking to God. Woke up the next morning, and um, I, I woke up to her nurse FaceTiming me and telling me to, to hurry up and, and get on video so that I could see Jody. She was awake and looking at me. Couldn't talk, couldn't do anything, but she was awake and functional, at least, you know, not brain dead. How were you functional as a father and as a professional at the same time? Because I remember the appeal for family leave days. If you could quickly explain that your wife is a longtime government, federal government employee and yeah. people, these things are fungible and people can donate leave to help her extend out the time that she can be in, in rehabilitation? Yes, they can. And, and without that program, I don't know what we'll be doing right now. So I took some time off work, some leave, rest of my PTO that I had. And then I was on FMLA, which was uh, for COVID reasons to take care of a loved one or children that were in need due to the COVID response. 
without my wife having the ability of that donated leave, I don't know what we do because she's still on leave, on medical leave donated by employees and she's receiving her paycheck and, and I'm out of work since August. So, you know, without that, we're very fortunate to have it, let's say. Now, Greg, she spent seven weeks in the hospital mm-hmm. and came back in, but this was not, this didn't even begin to be the end of it because work crept back on you. Your particular sector, you're involved in commercial real estate and hotels are suffering from, you know, low single digit occupancy. And suddenly the hammer is on you to, to produce, to be burning the midnight oil. You're worried about your, your children. I mean, your sister-in-law came down, but it's very difficult with social distancing and in the house and mental health distance and health distance and having the distance within work from home, which is both a blessing and a curse. Tell us about how that backed up on you professionally. Right. So for a while, I did have care at the house for the kids with my wife's parents and then my parents coming into the house, but they were both afraid of COVID as well and basically uh, bunkered up at home. I was able to get my sister-in-law to come down to take care of the kids, gave me promise that she'd be here for two months to do that. And unfortunately, due to just personal circumstances, she had to leave. And I was left taking care of the kids, taking care of Jody. My wife at this time needed physical therapy. She needed help walking upstairs. She needed help going to the bathroom at night. I, I had to help her with everything, um, get her dressed. And she couldn't remember a whole lot and she just wasn't self-sufficient. So I was managing that, doing uh, just keeping my kids busy during the day and, and then working as much as I could during the day. I had you know specific times where I had to be in meetings and then I was burning the midnight oil. Like you said, commercial real estate industry was hit very hard and I worked in hotels partially and my properties were were struggling very much so, and uh, investors wanted information daily on the the prospects and the forecasts. And I started reforecasting everything for each of my properties every single day, which is something I normally would do every month. And I was still managing my other office and medical properties at the same time. It was a great deal of work, a lot of conversation back and forth, uh, which was difficult to manage. But I was doing my best, and you know, at one point it just became clear that my family had to take precedence and I couldn't do all of it. So in August, my company and I split ways and decided it was time to just focus on my family. Focusing on your family, tell us about the childcare aspects of it. You have two young children, five and seven, and you are effectively the the, the Zoom parent now. <laughs> I mean, your wife is still struggling. You're saying that the switching of medications has now yeah. become the flashpoint and there are varying levels of mood and lucidity and you have to keep the kids at a distance and you have to make sure the kids are fed. Like, I cannot imagine, you know, what you're going through. You and I first met in your backyard in a distanced yeah. fashion. And you even had to be delayed in seeing me because <laughs> Jody was having a tough afternoon. Yeah, um, there are definitely difficulties. Just illustrate that for us briefly. Um, well, medications are, are really the hardest thing to deal with right now. My wife has epilepsy now and she will have seizures probably the rest of her life. But the goal is to manage that while allowing her to be mentally cognitive, uh, able to do her job, and also have the energy to exercise, take care of herself, and take care of kids. So if we can get those three things uh, all together, that's the goal. Um, Those two things and and not having seizures, that's the goal. So we've been trying to reduce certain medications that are really bad for your long-term health. And as we did that, she had another seizure and then another one and another one. So we, we had to increase medications again, which put her into basically a state where she could not balance or function much on her own. And this is as late as November. We did another week stay at a hospital to do some testing and examinations and change medications again. And after that, she again had seizures and violent mood swings. Um, 
just because of the medication. So it's it's something that while it's a disease that might be under control, the medication side effects are absolutely out of control and difficult to deal with. Fortunately, after uh, a lot of issues earlier in January and some seizures in January, uh, she's on the same medications now for the next couple of months. And, and hopefully we don't see anything happen during that time. And in the next step down, we see another improvement without any negative side effects. Full disclosure, I'm Robin Farzad. You're listening to Greg Franklin. He's a 36-year-old job seeker. We're doing a special live Zoom show with the University of Richmond's Robin School of Business. How can we leverage the network effects of our audience in attendance tonight, the community members, the mentors, the professionals, the students, the faculty, to help a guest like Greg with his life crisis? Uh, Greg's personal and professional lives in less than 12 months have been utterly devastated by this pandemic. Greg, tell us about the path ahead. You now have what, 14 years of professional experience. When I was talking to you, you said that, you know, when you were an undergrad, you had this, you know, in your in your guileless undergrad days, you <laughs> wanted to be a prop trader and everything. Right. And life happened. Next thing you know, 10 years pass, you're going from a job to a job. You were in Chicago, you come to Richmond, you're a financial analyst. All of these things that you've now input into your kind of ex- experience mind and everything that has changed in the past year with work from home, with family demands, and everything that you know you're going to need to be the father first and foremost, and the professional, and a person that that especially is bringing in a paycheck at a time when you don't know how much your wife is going to be able to work when work does return. Right. What kind of job are you are you looking for? Again, Greg's resume is up on our chat function. Uh, you can check it out as a PDF. Go ahead. Well, primarily um, the job title I'm generally looking at because it it closely aligns with my goals as senior financial analyst. What I've really enjoyed about my career is taking data, taking financial data or operational data, turning it into um, creating actionable insights that I can use to help inspire others to make decisions or influence others to make the the proper decisions. I've worked on a number of high-profile projects within my companies across the organization, uh, starting with staffing, within call centers, uh, lead productivity and uh, acquisition cost uh, efficiency for call centers, and uh, worked in revenue uh, metrics and KPIs for sales teams, all the while performing monthly financial analysis, looking at variance analysis, sensitivity analysis, creating valuation reports for properties. I think I've, I've run the gamut on, on types of financial reports that I provide and that I'm skilled and experienced at, at preparing. And I just want to be able to use those skills to influence decisions in an organization. What about the sectors? As you see, I have a face for radio and I'm passionate <laughs> for radio after years of writing. But if I weren't doing this, I'd probably have a Persian food truck, you know? And uh, travel the world and, and find fine Persian spices. Well, I would eat at your Persian food truck. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, what 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 would make your heart hum? What do you think would make? I won't say self-actualize, but at least when I became a father, um, I started reprioritizing these things again. Was you definitely could not have a job that you were afraid of or that you were not passionate about. Um, to the extent that this is a broad reset, what sectors beckon you? What callings? What kinds of uh, missions? Well, right now, I think something that's been in my mind that's important to me is I want to work in a company in an industry that gives back in some way that the company either has a strong community presence, um, strong uh, philanthropic presence, or an industry that, as I, I think I told you earlier, 
some previous time that a lot of the industries being formed in technology are, are younger generational people that that have a passion for something and are creating a company out of a product that really is important to them for some personal reason. And I can find something, whether it's educational technology or financial technology to give equal opportunity. Those are two examples of, of areas that I'm looking at. And I, I just want to find a company and a role in which I can influence change for the better. Mm. You mentioned fintech, which is clearly exploding at yeah. this time. We're in a you know, fintech type community. Capital One, for example, talks a lot about this. Are you are you wedded to Richmond or does Richmond matter as much anymore in that suddenly a lot of people who were working in New York and DC can work from home in Richmond? Again, how WFH and remote has become a blessing and a curse. <laughs> yeah, it's a blessing in that I'm able to look for roles anywhere in the country where I can work here in Richmond. And that is my goal to stay in Richmond. You know, I've, I've moved around a bit in my life. Um, after school, I went to Chicago, then to DC to, for my girlfriend at the time, now wife. We had a family and decided to move back to Chicago, where I'm from, and have lots of family. However, it wasn't ideal for my wife, and we decided together that we loved Richmond and want to be here. And ever since we came back, we've just been loving it and want to stay. This is our home and where we set down roots, and I want to continue to grow those roots. Tell me about the search, the process. Uh, this is, in addition to being a public health crisis, maybe a once-in-a-hundred-year pandemic, it's also a bona fide financial crisis. It is a true reset. They talk about the K-shaped recovery where asset prices and stocks and Bitcoin and real estate and uh, GameStop, I guess, are surging where oh even if you disregard the core unemployment rate, the, the level of misery out there and uncertainty and people on furlough and wage cuts and to, to take meetings with people in the Zoom fatigue, I, I imagine it's frustrating on balance. It is frustrating. Uh, I've had a, a couple of career searches in my career at this point. This one, it's such a, a broad number of avenues for employers to be looking for candidates and candidates to be able to find their employers. LinkedIn is a great resource, indeed.com, great resources. And there's so many websites. It, it's just hard to keep track at this point. Honestly, I'm, I'm trying to meet people through my network and through contacts, which in Richmond is not that great, I'll, I'll be honest. I've only been here for three years and I've worked in the same company the whole time with more of an inward-facing role. But I meet great people like you through my children's school and I meet people at parks and I, you know, working, working that way right now. But honestly, it's exhausting. How do you, it's, it's exhausting and people taking Zoom calls and it's, it's a, you know. <laughs> a lot of Zoom calls. I do miss the coffee. I do miss the breakfast. I don't know if it's, it's an extroversion thing, but to see the whites of the person's eye and, and, you know, we'll get there soon again with the vaccine, God willing. How much is that going to change your normal uh, when your in-laws, for example, are able to get vaccinated and to come down? I think it will greatly improve my normal. Um, we haven't left my house really since early November, except to go to Cleveland Clinic for a week and get some medical tests done. I've been home. I haven't gone to stores. We get our groceries delivered. And my in-laws have had their first vaccine. So once they get their second, they're planning on coming down and giving me and Jody a little break. It'll be nice. But honestly, right now, once the vaccine is more widespread. And once I'm able to procure work, I'll be able to get somebody to be on call at the house just in case there is an issue with my wife. So right now, I'm not concerned daily that there's going to be a problem, but there's always the possibility. And so I want to be here to care for her. But as soon as I'm able to work from the office and, and be able to bring somebody in the home, I'm ready to do that as well. I think working from home and working remote is great. I think we need that flexibility, but I'm also ready to be in the office, uh, collaborating and communicating with the people that I work with in person. I really enjoy that aspect of 
of my job. Tell us what you hope to get out of uh, this experiment. And again, I thank you again. And for those <laughs> joining late, I persuaded Greg to do this. This is something that he was self-effacing about. His first reaction was, why me? Why not someone else? Well, there will be, there will be other people. But I said, let's take a really hairy, intimidating one at the very outset that we're within a year of this striking his family. And let's see how much of our hive mind we could put at work. Um, what is your ideal outcome out of tonight? So this call ends in an hour. Is it meetings with people, more Zoom people, leads? How, how should this work if it does work? I mean, that benefit to my career and my job search would be fantastic if I can find some people to talk to and get some leads. Uh, obviously, I'm looking for every opportunity right now. And, and that was one thing about this that was exciting. And another aspect was just help inform people that anything can happen at any time and, and your life can turn upside down. Just be prepared for it and have precautions in place or, or plans in place that you can weather the storm. You know, there are a lot of students potentially on the call and think maybe it'd be something to tell them that my wife and I are lucky. We've been fortunate to save a uh, fortune that she works for a company that is able to provide her the benefit of being paid while she's on leave uh, for an extended period of time. You know, things like that really make a difference. And one other thing is just to bring to light her story and what, what we've gone through this past year, something I've taken out of it that I didn't really consider all the time before is that there are a lot of in, invisible illnesses out there. You know, you, people are going through things that you don't see on the outside, you know, whether it's depression or epilepsy or difficulty dealing with medications or, or whatever it may be. People are having a hard time on a daily basis and you just can't tell from the outside. So I've learned uh, from this past year to give people grace and um, just give people benefit of the doubt and, and give them some space when they need it. Be flexible. So that's one thing I've taken out of this that I'd like to just pass on. Tell us about your wife's prognosis and how the kids are doing. Um, prognosis is she has epilepsy. We're going to have to deal with that fact. Our goal is to get her on a combination of medications that keep her seizure-free as much as possible, give her energy, and allow her to get back to work. Right now, she's on leave through April 30th. Thanks to everybody who's donated leave that, that has let her take leave until that point. After that, I, I really think that she'll be okay to start work once these medications start to wind down in her system and make it easier for her to, to be more cognitive. And you know, prognosis with the kids is they're, they're doing okay. There's a lot of trauma. They're talking with somebody now that's helping them out, but it took us nine months just to get a therapist for them because they're overloaded with new patients. They're doing everything virtual, and there's a lot of kids that are dealing with a lot right now too. I think we'll, we'll come out of this better stronger, and um, God willing, it will be in the near future. Tell us how the community has responded. I mean, I have etched in my recollection the fact that when your wife collapsed and the children had to witness it and everything in your driveway, that a father across the street left his kids yeah. to run over and kind of help you triage. Tell us the continuum of this. Yeah. Our community has been fantastic. We got a huge response from the neighborhood. Everybody wanted to drop off groceries or bring things for the kids to have fun. The teachers at the JCC put together packages of art supplies for the kids to have something to do during the day and ease my life a little bit. We had friends that sent them toys, Lego sets and everything. The neighbors help take care of them if we ever needed it uh, to go to the doctor or something like that. But like you said, that morning that my wife did collapse, I flagged down a neighbor who ran over. Uh, two other neighbors saw the ambulance and came over and decided to take the kids over to their house to play while I went to the hospital. 
And we get constant texts and emails and calls from neighbors just asking how they can help. And at this point, you know, we don't need daily help. So my answer is, I, I don't know. But, you know, if, if somebody's willing to offer assistance or, or just a kind word, we're willing to take it. So that's not to say we're asking for anything. And look, I don't want this to sound cliche or tacky, but I think about this a lot. Uh, an inception, a critical inception point for an adult. I was talking to my high school uh, economics teacher when he came, he was driving through Richmond in his RV five years ago, and he said, your new normal, your life, your consciousness as an adult really begins the year that you graduated from college. What would you tell that Greg Franklin in 2007, which was a lifetime ago? I mean, it was on the eve of a whole different financial crisis. If somebody had looked into a crystal ball and told you, to the extent that there are students out there, undergrads, graduates, alums listening, what, if anything, can you share with them? Um, be prepared as much as you can. Work your network, talk to your professors, talk to people in industries that you're interested in, find out if it's really what you want to do. As you mentioned before, you know, I, I thought about being a prop trader when I came out of college. That was actually my goal, and then I'd move forward in my career from there. I got offers as a prop trader and decided that the 100% commission setup wasn't for me and I just wasn't ready for that lifestyle. And I, you know, I didn't totally consider that before, I guess. I, I'm sure I did, but when it became real, I just couldn't handle it. So I moved into a different career path, which at that time was not easy. In 2008, 2009, finding the right role in finance was hard to come by. So I just say, get your cards in order. Know if what you're looking at is really what you want to do and Make sure you, you talk to people and understand that. Another factor is work your network, work LinkedIn. I'm dealing with that a lot right now. And you know, it wasn't always a, a top priority for me as I was working. You know, I have, like I said, an inward-facing role. I'm not looking at outward customers or bringing in new clients or anything like that. So I didn't use LinkedIn much except for job searching when I would grow my network and end up with <laughs> hundreds of recruiters that I'm connected to. And to that end, uh, your LinkedIn profile is now up on the chat function. Uh, my brother neatly copied and pasted it. And okay. He's going to ask if you're looking for full-time work only or open to project or contract work quickly. I'm open to project work, uh, primarily looking at full-time, but I, yeah, I've worked projects before and I think I'm good at getting running quickly. Full disclosure, stay with us. Full disclosure, I'm Robin Farzad. If you're just joining us, we are talking to Greg Franklin, age 36, a young father who's professional and personal lives have been devastated in less than 12 months of this normalcy, this terrible normalcy of the pandemic. Uh, we just listened to his story, and we are at that phase where we want some professional panelists and mentors to come on. I do want to read a sentiment, Greg, before we get into that that was shared on the chat function, because we are, after all, doing this and everything else in our lives on Zoom. Uh, from Marissa to everyone, Greg is beyond brave and courageous to be vulnerable and share his story wisdom with us. I'm inspired by his honesty and authenticity. Though my offices are New York-based, I'm happy to try and share my network to help him, and I am proud to be a spider. Uh, I have had to diversify my focus and have two clients now in the financial space, which is a far cry from my fashion and media space. Can't hurt to try and connect. Greg Franklin's LinkedIn particulars are up on the chat function, and for those of you listening on radio, it's all up on fulldradio.com and Twitter at fulldradio. I'd like to bring in uh, Shana Cook. Dr. Shana Cook, are you there? I am here. Can you see me? Welcome, welcome, welcome. Shana Cook is VP of Human Capital at Dominion Payroll. Uh, we love doing events at Dominion Payroll. It's a, uh, a very kind of work culture centric firm. And you were recommended by 
uh, some creative co-collaborators I have there and Kevin Wilson and Brad Crouch. Talk to me. Talk to Greg. Go ahead. Hey, well, thanks for having me on. Um, Greg, your story is incredibly inspiring and um, just really hard to kind of wrap your your brain around. So I really, um, I applaud you for your resilience right now. Um, This is probably the last thing that you want to be doing right now is trying to find a new career path for yourself. Um, But I think that the way that you're handling this with such grace is really admirable. I appreciate that. I really do. Thank you. Who should he be talking to, Shana? That's a great question. Um, so, you know, you did talk a little bit about using networks and LinkedIn, and I think, you know, that's a probably a good place to start. I would say in terms of your learning and development, reaching out even further, right? So just discussing with other people about this transition, reaching out to recruiters, local, national recruiters, I think would be really helpful. Um, mm-hmm. Friends or ex-colleagues, and even if it's ex-colleagues that maybe you had some rubs with or ex-bosses that maybe um, you didn't necessarily connect with to kind of get their feedback and perspective on um, you in the workplace and your strengths and your growth areas, I think that could be um, really helpful for you to get a um, maybe even a more clear picture of what you're presenting when you're out there in the world, for sure. Okay. Yeah, it's a solid piece of advice. Go ahead. I'm going to get to brass tacks with you at Dominion Payroll. You guys are so diversified across sectors. You're in fintech restaurants. I mean, the diaspora of people that come to your client base. Are there any people in town or are there companies that come to mind for, uh, you know, you think your personality or resume fits for Greg? Yeah, I mean, I think you're right. We do have quite a wide network of contacts that we can absolutely try to explore with Greg to see if there's some interest there. We're also really well connected with some recruiter firms in town. And so um, that also might be a good option to just kind of get in there and say, you know, here here is who I am and, and what do you think? But I would certainly challenge Greg right now as well in this pivotal moment in life to really think about um, what it is that you love, right? Like what makes you happy? And what are, when you are happy, right. what are you doing? Um, I did hear you say a couple of things. I was taking some notes while you were talking and, and you said that you like to look at financial data because creating actionable insights to help others make informed decisions for themselves. And for me, that's your why, right? Like that's your purpose. Your purpose is to help right. educate people so that they can make educated decisions for themselves in their financial sector. And so um, if that's what really lo- you love and, and drives you, where else does that show up in your life? Does it have to be in the financial sector or can it be a different sector? I, I'm not necessarily looking just at a financial sector. I've actually worked in corporate finance um, in FPNA, and I find that role generally what I'm looking for in terms of what I want to do, I find turns up most often in a senior financial analyst role, but it's really like an internal consultant working throughout the organization to enact change and create insights from data, like you mentioned. Yeah, I think that, I mean, to me, that sounds inspiring, right? Like trying to help other people figure out what they're doing with their finances to to impact their lives. I think that's really interesting. Um, I also wrote down that you're looking for a company or an industry that helps give back to the community in which they live or serve. And I think that also um, that strong community presence is probably something to anchor yourself to, because that sounds like a little piece also of where you find your purpose in life, right? right. In, in the way that you also give back to your community. Thank you, Shana. I'm so grateful. Absolutely. We're going to we're going to bring in uh, Sid Pila. He's CEO of Sunny Day Fund. I just I, I met you through Lighthouse Labs in a cohort presentation. Uh, Sid, by way of quote, said he started Sunny Day Fund because he knew what it was like to live with financial insecurity and instability and believes strongly that Americans should have better options to save and plan for their futures. COVID has changed the way we save, understand our own finances, and view our social responsibilities. Uh, sir, how are you? Chime in. 
I'm doing great. Thank you so much. And Greg, I really appreciate you sharing your story. It gives me courage knowing what you've gone through, that you're here speaking about it, because these are just not nuggets of wisdom. This is wisdom in general. This is awesome. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you sharing the story. Thank Um, you, sir. From Sunny Dayfun's perspective, I'd love to chat with you because I think that there's definitely ways that we can collaborate. But I also wanted to share that uh, I just checked with my wife that works in hospitality who has an FBNA function and actually has a role that is probably a great fit uh, in another Virginia area. So I just wanted to share that in case there's any interest. Uh, I did have a question for you. Uh, as you're thinking about your future, what is something that you know that you don't want to do? Because that's sometimes uh, a guiding force as well. Sure. So one thing I've, I've mentioned a couple of times is something I don't want to do. And I know this is part of the career path I'm looking at, but I don't want it to be the only thing that I'm focused on is having a job that's too consistent, too much uh, monotony where, you know, in asset management and commercial real estate, I, I found myself doing variance analysis and month end close almost constantly because our properties had different timelines throughout the month. So I'd close one, move on to the next, close that one, move on to the next. And I felt like I was doing the same thing constantly and didn't have enough time for the more important ad hoc work or uh, project work that I think could improve things. Um, so I want to be able to, to focus on more important projects and not just have monotonous repeatable projects. And part of that comes with being able to streamline processes, but um, there's only so much you can do sometimes without the time to do it. Thank you, Sid. Uh, We have Kelly Chopis, the CEO of the Robbins Foundation on standby. She's on Len Lease because I like to say presumptuously, Kelly, that you're one of my mentors. Are you there, Kelly? I am. So Greg, I'm really impressed with what you've been able to share with us today. And I'm going to double down on what Shana said and then Sid said, which is please come over to the nonprofit sector. Please come over to philanthropy. Please come over to our side of of the universe because (laughs) great things happen with people who are passionate about their calling, their want to give back, their missions. Um, And I think it would be a wonderful place for you. I think you have had um, a couple of big punches in the gut and And I find that those people are the best ones to serve other people, right? And if you have that calling, one inkling, I want to talk to you separately. One question I had for you was, do you feel like you could almost do CFO work in the nonprofit arena? That is such a big uh, void right now. We need a lot of really good, talented people to help our nonprofits not only sustain themselves, but sort of be strategic about how they're spending money, how they're looking for money. I feel like you have really great experience at at a lot of um, CFOE kind of things. What would you say to that? I mean, I'd say it's a possibility. It depends on the size and complexity of the organization, obviously. Not having that experience before, I have worked closely with CFOs and directors of finance um, on a daily basis. So, you know, I know a great amount of what they do. And I think I could flex a lot of my skills to manage those processes as well. But like I said, it depends on the size and complexity. And it's a conversation I'd be willing to have. I'd, I'd love to. And it's a big, it's a big universe, Kelly, because everyone except Amazon is a nonprofit right now, right? No, just kidding. No. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Kelly. We have Andy Whitehouse. Uh, sir, are you there? Creative co-conspirator. I'm here. I'm here, Robin. I didn't think I can get my, uh, my video started either. I'm sorry about that. Uh, Andy Whitehouse is CEO and managing partner of Copperfield Advisory. It's a consulting firm that serves clients across 
a variety of sectors. He was fascinated. You know, we were introduced by a mutual friend, Stevie McFadden, uh, in Richmond. He was fascinated when I brought up this example. He used to be the chief communications officer for IBM, Willis Towers, Watson, and McKinsey. He's also served as government policymaker in the UK and has led teams in the Prime Minister's Social Exclusion Unit and Department of Health. What say you to Greg? First of all, it's, it's great to meet you, Greg, and I'm, uh, I'm so sorry about everything that you've been through with your family. And you're a brave guy and a, uh, a really brave storyteller. And uh, you know, if there's anything I can do in terms of opening up my network, helping you out from, from here in New York City, I'd be delighted to do it. Um, the, the question I wanted to ask you, Greg, was, um, you. was sort of what your friends would, uh, how they would describe you, your friends, if they were going to uh, be talking to a prospective employer and talking about who you are and uh, your values and the sort of the things that you bring to work that maybe aren't kind of like the hard skills, but more like the soft skills. Um, what, what would be the sorts of things that your friends would talk about? Um, well, I think kind, funny, sometimes sarcastic. Um, I, I like to interact with people on a very personal basis. And I think that that comes across in how I do my work as well. But uh, I think personal relationships are very important. You know, I, I play with my kids' friends. My wife and I always joke that when all the other parents are having fun together, me and her are stuck playing with the kids just because that's what we end up doing. It's what we enjoy is, is just sharing in the community. You know, I always want to give back. I don't necessarily find enough time to do it in my spare time. Um, but that's, I think that's the kind of person they'd say I am. Uh, Andy, you and I discuss things creatively. Like, you know, when we're trying to thumbnail this show, you said you wouldn't be averse to bringing on someone from a, a you know, reality dating show or completely throw convention <laughs> into the wind, right? E everything is a great reset. Everyone is given a tremendous amount of, uh, of uh, leeway in terms of creative experimentation right now. You see some of the highest rated shows on quote unquote television are done over Zoom and with, with AirPods. How would you creatively kind of funkify this search? Yeah, so that's a great question, Robin. And I guess what I would say is, um, you know, the stories that people remember are stories that are full of emotion and that kind of connect with us on a on a really human level. And I think the, the folks who make reality television have got really great at bringing out in the audience their, you know, the, their sort of anger and their sadness and their fear and the, the way that they uh, can get to know and connect with uh, the people on the show. And I would say, you know, having listened to you, Greg, this evening, just talking about your story and things you've been through over the last year, I wouldn't underestimate the sort of the power of emotional storytelling in the context of your uh, of your job search. When you find yourself in an interview, you're a great storyteller, and you've been through a lot, and it really shows the kind of person you are, your character, your values, and and what you stand for. So, you know, people that in interviews often tend to go for the facts and the figures is the way of kind of selling themselves to the employer. That's not what we remember as human beings. We remember emotional stories and personal character connections and that and those kinds of things. So I'd put those things right at the heart of your search. Thank you, Andy. Okay. I appreciate that advice. I do try to be as conversational as possible and, and bring out more of more of a story than than necessarily just facts and figures. So I'm glad that comes across. Uh, Andy, I will put you in touch with Greg. Thank you so much. Uh, I do have Alex Derhovenasian on standby. Alex, are you there? I am. Good evening. Alex is a senior director at QLarion, a professional services firm focused on helping public sector and health organizations use business intelligence. I call him, my nickname for him is State Farm because he's a good neighbor. 
every time I see him, I peek over the fence. I was like, what can we do to collaborate to help people? But you know, if you want to open the kimono in this case, you too had a family health crisis. And you two are exceedingly mindful about how you were helped with the community and how you can help others. What would you impart? What kind of wisdom would you share with Greg? Yeah, first, Robin, thank you again. And I think it's just humbling to see this many leaders and connectors from around Richmond and around the country on this call and just an amazing experiment. So first, also, Greg, to you and Jody, um, you are surrounded by a village. And I think it's uh, hard to see when you're in it. And I will tell you, and without oversharing, I went through a similar uh, situation, but no situation is the same. Um, but you will be challenged to look and, and raise up your head a little bit and look beyond uh, your critical mass. Uh, but please know that there are a lot of people around you, uh, both locally and, and beyond that, uh, that are here for you. So um, I think there's a lot of tools out there, right? You have Virginia Workforce Centers. You've got Virginia Career Works Portal. There are a lot of places where people can go. And Virginia's done an amazing job of trying to create opportunities. But I think you're absolutely right in saying that your next role is going to come from a relationship, an introduction, or someone that you have met along the way. So I think you're, you're absolutely right in taking the time and using your network. I'd also tell you to make sure you're taking time for self-care and for family care. And you'd be like, well, I've taken a lot of time for family care. But you need to have that balance, right? So I think the self-care portion as well and making sure that you're making time for yourself. I think some of the other panelists have said this as well, but find your happy and find things that make you happy and make sure you do those things uh, along the way. And again, I'm talking fast and I apologize, Robin, I'm trying to move through. No, please, please. Uh, the, I'd say there are a lot of great companies in Richmond and around the country, but I would not look for a great company. And I don't wanna be offensive to any great company in Richmond. I would find a great boss or leader that inspires you. If I can give you a list of a lot of great companies that have pretty average bosses and you can work for a great company and be miserable, or you can work for someone that you trust and is inspiring to you. And that will change your entire dynamic. So please, as you're looking for a job, don't get lost in taking the first thing or, oh, I've got, this is a great company. I've got to get in there. Find someone you trust, find someone that you believe shares your values, and they will help you get from where you are to where you want to be. I think you hit it spot on. You pivot very um, effectively between Northern Virginia and Central Virginia. I feel like that area has kind of been, you know, psychographically at least, it's looked like one contiguous region. There are a lot of people, especially with remote from home and Capital One having those campuses, both in Tyson and, and kind of, you know, West Creek, that suddenly there are many more options, both in terms of people and companies. Yeah, absolutely. I think we are becoming, you know, a mega region around Virginia, right? You talk about mega regions and I think you're absolutely right. There, the Richmond, there's not a circle around Richmond anymore that is going to confine you to just looking in Richmond that will allow you to work remotely. I also think with COVID and with everything that everyone's going through, you know, I, I think to the earlier panelist's point as well, you telling your story is important, right? Not oversharing everything, but sharing enough so people understand who you are and your background is very, very important. And not just focusing on the work, but also focusing on work life as well. I'll also say to Robin's point, you know, we are in a remote world now, right? So it, it does not have to be a Richmond. There are lots of Richmond-based companies, but there are a lot of great firms around Virginia, up and down the East Coast, that would welcome your remote work and your expertise. I've reviewed your resume, and I mean this sincerely. If it's not today or tonight or tomorrow, a year from now, 
I will do whatever I can to move you from where you are to where you want to be and help you connect to wherever uh, you need to be uh, to get to somewhere positive for you and your family. That's very, very kind of you. Well, thank you, Alex, for the, the advice and sincerity. Thank you, Alex. Rich Ronick, are you online? I'm here with you. Co-founder of Fahrenheit Advisors, the giant staffing, fractional staffing firm in Scott's edition. I'm, I'm reminded of your prophecy when I first met you six or seven years ago that so many people are going to be remotely working. So many people want to juggle work and life this way. And there's so much vindication in what's gone on in the past year. Um, I've made you aware of Greg's uh, scenario because he's, you know, he could be a hired hand as a fractional CFO type or a person who could come into a situation and help model and build. What first comes to mind in terms of opportunities for him? Well, first, um, Robin, I think your goal was to cobble this um, community brain trust to help Greg. And I think the first half of this show was really Greg helping all of us understand <laughs> how fragile and quickly life can turn. And so, um, you know, it, some of your comments, Greg, reminded me of, you know, 2008 when the market sort of turned on all of us and holy smokes, we were, we were faced with a, a crisis. And, you know, I was in a position where I had to make some decisions about my career path. And, you know, I, I was surrounded by a community that helped me make those decisions. And tonight, I guarantee you when you when you hang up this call, you're going to go to your LinkedIn and you've got a hundred new friends, one of which is me. Um, uh, so yeah, Robin mentioned that um, you know Fahrenheit's a, a consulting and advisory firm, and we have an executive search and recruiting practice. You know, as I reflect on our conversation tonight and how we might be able to help you, sure, maybe it's in project consulting or part of our team, or maybe it's part of our um, executive search practice. But I think one of the things that I'd love to be able to do with you directly is to work on the story of how you tell this story to employers, because obviously you're an incredibly likable guy and you've got a great personality that's going to shine through when you have a conversation with potential employers. Yeah, I would absolutely welcome that. Thank you. I know that's one thing where I, I tend to, I have a tendency just to tell the whole story because it's what I know and it's what I feel strongly about. So having some guidance there would be fantastic. Yeah. I mean, what I would like to be able to do is, is how do we tell folks, how do we match up what you've done with some of the things that you talked about and, and highlighted in your the beginning of this conversation with Shana? How do you take mm -hmm. all this experience and influence change for the better in your next organization? And I think you can connect what you want to do next with telling people how you've done it before. So I think, you know, after this call, let's connect one-on-one. -on -one. And let's develop that story so that as we start making introductions as a community for you, you're able to concisely tell that to whoever's going to be lucky enough to work with you next. I appreciate that. I would absolutely take that opportunity. Thank you. Rich, and take me out to lunch while you're at it as well. You know, I'll never, once we're vaccinated and everything, you could. <laughs> oh, he's buying lunch? Hey, I'm coming to your Persian food truck. Oh, yeah, I'll bring that around again. It, it, might, it <laughs> might end up being my career, ultimately. Uh, I do see an applause from Laura Kotkamp. Laura Kotkamp of uh, the friendly crosstown rival uh, VCU School of Business, Dr. Laura Kotkamp, I believe, I call her like the human uh, LinkedIn router. Uh, she's maybe the most connected person I know in Richmond. Are you there? Can you chime in? I am. Robin, you're taking me back old school. Oh, I'm normally in like my jammies at this point. You know, like I feel like we're like legitimately back at a recruiting event. 
stayed rest <laughs> the whole day for everybody out there. New frontiers. You know what? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that we have a community that wants to welcome a discussion like this. And that makes me so happy. I am a multi-generation Richmonder. Um, I came back because I believed in the power of Richmond. And this is exactly um, where I had always hoped Richmond would go when I came back after business school. I think there's always the chance to find any job. I think you want to find the right job. We have so many incredible people in Richmond. So anyone can find you a job. I think you have entered middle age earlier than some of us have entered middle age um, with health worries and family responsibilities. We've all had medical situations or mental health situations that come up in our family and we're wondering how to balance everything. Um, And so you're not alone, even though it feels very lonely. Um, Middle age happens to all of us at some point. As you Mm -hmm. were talking, I had a list of people that I could instantly see you connecting with to get a better sense of who you are. I think one of the greatest gifts of Richmond's networking community is that people are happy to talk with you. It doesn't mean that they have a job to offer you. It does mean that when you talk with them, you might see a nugget in them that reminds you of yourself. I think about some of the people on this call who I've talked to at various points in a career move or a career switch. You will benefit from talking with people as you not only have to hone your story, but as you recognize the goodness in others. I think that'll bring some joy back into your heart. Um, I'm thinking, um, and I know that Mm -hmm. some people will agree, that you've got the Molina Davises of the world who run the Medical Society of Virginia business, and yet they're doing something great for healthcare. I could see you being involved with something healthcare-minded after the scare that you've had. It's definitely on my mind, yes. You know, you could talk to, I think, Lynn Hughes, maybe who's head of Comfort Zone Camp right now. You've got the Virginia Credit Union that does amazing things. Chris Shockley is the president of Virginia Credit Union and is one of the more caring people I know in Richmond. Um, they are completely focused on giving back to the community. What do you think? What do you think? Uh, you introduced me to Brian Shaw on World Pediatric Project. He was previously at VCU. He's on my list. I'm going to hold it up. Look, can you see that? I mean, look at that. He's there. Um, Jane Henderson is going to retire from Virginia Community Capital, but that's an all about, you know, doing good while giving back to the community. VCU has got an awesome, awesome, I mean, I have to put in a plug, system, VCU Health. You've got Melinda Hancock, um, who's their CFO, um, that we could put you in touch with. I'm thinking of like Rachel Kohe, who does decision analytics down at McGuire Woods Law Firm. So they have a whole spectrum of law firms that need financial input right now. I'm thinking of Dominion, um, not just Dominion Payroll, but Dominion Resources, Dominion Energy. Um, I have worked there. They are a stand-up organization that's got incredible ethical leadership. That'd be a great place. And they've got a ton of financial analysis that goes on. Real Estate Circle of Excellence at VCU, if you were interested in getting back into real estate, I think would be a great one. I would leave you with your story is going to be so profound for people that will put their trust in you because you've put your trust in others. I think about a financial advisor role like Mark Newfield or Tracy Shackelford who've just moved over to Bleakley Advisors. I mean, I could see people trusting you with their life savings because they are going to know that you had those same, very same issues to um, face. I think about Kathy Doss, who's at Federal Reserve. 
what an amazing organization to have the Federal Reserve here with us. That would be another one who you could talk to. She does data, basically smart data, data analytics. Co-star Brad McGetrick is an awesome VCU alum of ours, runs the talent organization. Talk about real estate wisdom that you could impart. They're all about real estate and they're all about Richmond. Andy Florence, their CEO, moved right. co-stars, you know, HQ here um, just to support Richmond. Yeah. So there's so many people that I respect and love um, that are here in the area that could help you. And I can give you all of this after so that you weren't, um, I talk almost as fast as Alex D, but not quite. I almost wanted to like, I, you know, I was like the cat. I was trying to reach through and bat it down. But Teddy Roosevelt has a quote that said, comparison is the thief of joy. And at many points in my life that has come up, it's often easy to think about what was and what your family once looked like. And you have got a great chance to create a whole new set of memories and a whole new set of careers. You're going to be working for another 40 years, which is a whole new thing for those of us in you know, a different generation. Um, you're going to have a whole road ahead of you that will just be amazing. So I hope you don't have to look back. We're here. Well, I appreciate that sentiment. It's definitely a way we look at life now. That's a great one, Laura. Uh, you want to have a tea with Laura, and let me say, by way of disclosure, don't be surprised if one of another side outcome of this is Laura Kotkamp gets poached by the U of R. But um, I digress, as I normally do. Thank you, Laura. Uh, before we get back to Dean Quinones, I want to read a quote uh, in the chat section from Melissa Klein. Laura, love this way of thinking. We call this brand crushing, thinking about what lights your heart and look that way inside the box. Greg, it's hard naturally when your role was not outfacing, and doing this work takes work which you don't have extra time for right now. But your friend here set you up and you will lead for others now. So glad I took the time to see this email and listen in. Fingers crossed Robin recorded this for you. I did. So your note-taking can keep up with these amazing guides. Dean Quinones, my creative co-conspirator in this, if you can please come back in. Uh, take it back to the top before we open it up to the floor with the time we have left. What are your thoughts? What are your pieces of advice? There's clearly an alumni network. Uh, you are very mindful of the fact that life happens. You you meet students in the kind of continuum of their professional existence. Talk to us. Absolutely. First of all, this has been, Greg, thank you so much. And Robin, what a great idea. Uh, this has been really sense-making for all of us to be able to realize that we're all not just suffering in, in, alone, that all of us go through things and other people go through things. I would say in addition to the alumni network, you know, I would go back and try to reach out in, uh, to your classmates, some of the classmates that you had as your finance major. At the Robbins School, some of the professors have very good connections locally and otherwise. So Professor Earl's still there. So I'm sure you had a class with John really? Earl. Oh, yeah. He's still there. I was just thinking Bob about Arnold. him this morning. Aha. <laughs> uh -huh. Yes. Um, so John's still there. Um, so I would certainly reach out. And, and our alumni in career services, they, they like to say that they're career services for alumni for, for life. So certainly reach out to our career services group. And that would certainly be yep. um, a great way to use the spider network. We already saw earlier on in the show how a spider, a fellow spider, uh, chimed in and was offering for help. I, uh, I, I, so I moved here about a year and a half ago, and I was just amazed how accessible this community is. And what we're seeing here, you know, in this experiment of this hive mind, it really has just become a, a, a community gathering place. We see how this technology can be used to harness the power of this community, and I think we're onto something here. Uh, and we've just seen the generosity of this community and the uh, and and the care that I have encountered since moving to uh, to Richmond. So I think it's very uh, inspiring and gratifying to see everybody chime in and everybody offer to help and everybody sharing stories. So thank you for 
letting us be part of this. I'm just really proud that the Robin School is a place where we started this first. Thank you, Dean. I wanted to share the news also, Greg, in case you haven't seen it, but there is a message from Mark St. Hilaire to everyone. Greg, I'm a recruiter with the Federal Reserve Bank of Richmond. Thank you for the mention, Laura Kotkamp. Happy to connect with you or any others. Do feel free to connect here. He posted his LinkedIn. And Kelly Chopas of the Robbins Foundation just said she sent your resume to her CFO, who is deeply connected across the community. Greg, she says, I know he will call you. There's also Mark Bricky. Greg, I'll reach out to you via LinkedIn. I'm with the VEC. Anybody else that wants to come in, I call this part of full disclosure kind of free skate. If you're old enough to remember the roller skating rinks, this is where they would kind of turn on the air supply and couples could come on, people who wanted to showboat could come on. No, but in all honesty, if you are a member of the community at large, like an enthusiast like Kevin Wilson from Dominion Payroll, who's helped produce this show several times, Jennifer Barbin, I see you've been active on social media. All of this stuff, you guys can chime in with your thoughts. Kim Zaninovich, who has helped me produce, I see a kind of a, this is your life of people who've helped with various live shows of full disclosure. What are your thoughts? Kim Zaninovich is there. Jennifer Barbin's there. Jump ball. What do you think, Kim? I'm just so impressed by, uh, first off, the candidness and the openness that, Greg, that you've shown. I mean, just as everyone has said, I know it's not easy out there, but it just takes that one meeting, as we all know, and that one connection that brings you through. I've been on chat with a couple of friends on LinkedIn, just in just in like the fintech area, the idea that you're kind of maybe interested in that. So I'm reaching out and seeing if anybody's got anything going on. And I think that this is going to be really fruitful for you. We've been in Richmond for like six years now, and it is so uh, wonderful to see this community coming together. And uh, And then Robin, how are you going to continue to expand this. Well, uh, we're, we're going to bring in, if you guys have case studies and examples, take, for example, a, a, a mother who might be later in career, has a special needs child, wants to get back into the workforce, an older person who wants to shift, someone who wants to shift out of law school, someone who wants to go into not-for-profit work or entrepreneurial work where there's more of a kind of a Richmond Venture Forum or Shark Tank element to it. I think it's it's really scalable across the board. And Kim, you were there. We've, you know, we've done concerts with this show. We've done foodie application. By way of introduction, Kim Zaninovich is a wonderful producer at the Martin Agency that uh, helped seed fund and, and produce this show at its inception back in 2014. And she's always been there as a sounding board back when we would go to Elwoods and people would do stuff like that. So she's a, a, a wonderful creative, a wonderful mother, another great preschool parent that I saw there every morning. So I wanted to bring her into this mix as well. Thank you, Kim. Thanks for your comments, Kim. Uh, Jennifer Barbin. Yeah, Greg, I want to say, unfortunately, I've um, been in the job loss and getting back into the market and in a good place now, but it people have been so much more graceful. I mean, you know, any other time you may have lost a job, you've got a sideways look. And this year is... Of any year, people are more understanding, more willing to help, more willing to have conversations. And it has broken down so many barriers that may have been there in the past because people, like you said, who thought they were safe have learned they're not. Um, Unfortunately, no one is ever safe in their career, but um, it's building these connections. And, um, you know, it's like, Robin, you are just doing such a great job of of bringing this together. Mickey, it's amazing um, that you guys are sponsoring this. And you've got a great hive mind. I've been in Richmond 20 years and you're right. Richmond's hard to break into when you first get here, but then once you do, oh my gosh, this community, and it's just gotten better and better and closer and closer um, the longer I've been here. So I wish you the best of luck and um, I know you'll, you'll do great. 
now and, and wherever you end up and wishing you're well. Thank you very much. And Thank I agree. You. I do want to get Kevin Wilson in here. Kevin, where are you? Can you unmute? Can you come in? Kevin is an also another creative co-conspirator. He's helped me pull off live shows at Dominion Payroll. And this is a person with inchoate leadership skills. One minute he's managing, you know, uh, what is the sushi joint in the fan? Introducing me to DJs and everything. He knows the entire RVA dying community. The next, he's hosting sessions about PPP financing for Dominion Payroll. Share your thoughts with us, sir. Meet Greg Franklin. I, I can't believe you're calling me out, making me show my face here in, in my very professional T-shirt with Elvira hanging above my shoulder. But uh, that's all right. <laughs> um, hey, let me just say, Greg. Um, I mean, f- you know, I, I, I was about to say fantastic story, moving story, emotional story. Um, connected with that, um, you know, immediately. And I know that the future is very bright for anyone that is willing to have that vulnerability and that authenticity. I think that so often when we um, are, are considering, you know, our professional careers, it, it exists in this buttoned up um, space that is, you know, it exists within the lines of a resume. And I think increasingly the world of professional work, it needs that authentic human piece that you've brought here tonight. I, I will be shocked and dismayed if um, by this time next week, you're not fighting off several competing offers, frankly. Um, but I, I think that, um, you know, I, I, I wish that I, I, I could come with any better insight than than any of the other very colorful and amazing guests. Um, Laura is probably just uh, rattling off um, names of people that you need to contact. Um, and Robin's probably muted or just saying we have to move on. But, um, you know, I think stay, stay true to yourself. You know, the, the advice of, of being that authentic version of, of who you are, you're, you're going to be connected with so many people through this experience. But um, I would say that, uh, you know, quite frankly, it's often dark before before that that sun peaks over the the horizon and i think that uh before you know it that's going to be there so best of luck to you and and really this has been an inspiring program thank you thank you i appreciate that close us out greg <laughs> close us out the mic is in your camp what did you expect i mean again i thank you for being brave enough to do this i hope that there's going to be a lesson uh for so many people out there i i think that there's a good amount of community handholding that we feel like we're actually kinetic and doing something. But in closing, share your thoughts with us. Uh, just blown away by all the contributions tonight and everybody who showed up and came on screen to give their words of kindness or advice or uh, offer up some solutions. I really appreciate every little bit of it. And thank you, Dean Quinones, for helping put this program on and Robin for coming to me with the idea. It's um, like I said, you, you told me it was exciting and fun and actually I've enjoyed it. I was a little scared coming in, but it's been, it's been really great. It, it showed how tight of a community Richmond is and, and how I'm excited to be a part of it. Glad that I moved here a few short years ago. So thank you all. Um, I, I feel like good things are coming and I appreciate your kind words along the way. Fingers crossed. And all I can say is Zoom professional network activate. Full disclosure, special thanks tonight to Claire Morgan at Notterly, our producer. I, a huge props to UR's Robin School, Dean Mickey Quinones, Andy Miner with uh, Drill Sergeant, like efficiency, Courtney Ennis. Uh, enjoy this fine podcast on Apple Podcasts at link fulldradio.com. Subscribe early and often. We are on NPR One and on Spotify. We are on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Full D Radio. You know what? This was risky, to be sure, but I do believe in my bones that it paid off. And we're going to do an exciting series with Dean Quinones. I'm holding you to it. CEOs, bands, chefs, 
authors, the culture of business, and the business of culture. I'm Robin Farzad. Full disclosure, back with you next week. 